Can I go? Yeah. Welcome to the TPH podcast. This is episode number 13. And today kind of marks our one year anniversary since Ally Munitions went live, like online. But there's much more to the story. And we decided we'd do like a, just a, well, not a solo podcast because in the studio behind the scenes is Fitzy. And a huge part of Ally Munitions that goes unseen is Sir Jonathan Fitzgerald. And today we're just going to talk about kind of how it all came to be, I guess. Yes. Well, thanks for having me, Wade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a uh, good place to start out would be like, I don't think people realize like we've been open for a year, online web sales, but I mean, Alley Munitions is five, six years old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it how was long has Alley been open? 17. Yeah. Yeah. So backing up, it's kind of the... <gasps> The origin story, if you will, is I'm a bit of a nerd as it pertains to ammo and everything surrounding that aspect. Starting out, I wanted a better product than factory ammo. That's kind of what start, spurred all this on. And the, that had been, I don't know how many years ago, but in the interim, the owner of Ally Outdoors reached out to me and we talked about starting a custom ammo line. So we started working on it. And it's been a long process, but it's been a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, especially nowadays, being things are so crazy in the ammo world. Uh, I just went blank. Um, well, like, yeah, I mean, so... You spent you know, the first you know four or five years um, just really just testing ammo all the time, and you know something I don't think a lot of people realize is like you testing ammo all the time is a lot different from other people because you your ammunition development room is like fifty yards from your bed, <laughs> it and was. A, alongside your uh, you know your uh, your range. So you're just when you're testing ammo, you're working up loads and immediately shooting them. Correct. And so you can really get through a lot and process a lot of information very quickly. But on top of that, you're doing that every day. Yeah. For you. I mean, basically. So the original idea aspect was to cater to the predator hunting community first, because that's kind of our end with TPH and everything else. So we wanted to come out. We wanted to launch the official launch of the website. We wanted to launch our predator hunting ammo. And then add on as we had time and so on and so forth. So I spent the first several years, like he said, basically living in the little test facility room I have. And it was literally, uh, I would work full time during the day and then spend a good six to eight hours every single day for about three years just developing those initial flagship loads. Now, of the initial flagship loads, the only ones we have still in production are zero. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> about the time we launched the website, uh, COVID happened. Well, no, no, it was, it was before that because it was, um, 
Oh yeah, it was, just it was when we that. decided. Okay, now it's time to like yeah. start prepping a website yeah. and getting all this together. Literally, like we had the conversation, and it wasn't even a month later. COVID happened. Yeah. So originally, we wanted to slow roll this, which we kind of are, kind of not really. And it was it was going to be based off of the quick turnaround times that we currently had at the time. Yeah, for for, for product <clears throat> and inventory. So like you could go, you know. Prior to COVID, through that, you know, 2016 to 2020, you could go on any of the distribution, get any component you needed. Yeah. Like, unlimited. It wasn't, you know, it was easy to get anything. You basically had a one-week turnaround. Yeah, so you would, yeah, you'd place the order. You'd typically have the stuff before you, the weekend. So, we what we was looking to do was to keep overhead down, to keep costs down and everything else, was I literally only had one shelf for incoming product. So basically as soon as we order it, it comes in, load it, then goes out. And then COVID happened or pre COVID things started getting a little wild. So we went to ordering, ordering what we could, but uh, some good has come from this, some bad. So the good part is, is it really showed you what companies you could depend on as far as components are concerned. And it, the bad things are is there was a lot of good loads that I worked really hard on, like a couple of them that took the better part of almost a year to get from development to, okay, this is our flagship load. And then those are just non-existent anymore, just due to the fact that certain components are non-existent anymore. But the good thing is uh, because we are a small company, we are able to pivot really easily. And that's kind of what's kept us going this entire time is having that ability to pivot really easily, develop new loads, get them through that whole process, and then get them into production. Well, and that, that goes back to that, that five years you had is you just have binders upon binders of information. So it's like, yep. okay, I can't make my flagship load, but I can get these components, these components, and then you can go refer back and like, okay, cool, and work from there. Yeah. And so we've been able to keep stuff coming regardless of, you know, it's not like it's all patchwork, but it's like, you know, hey, we can get we can get brass from this company, we can get projectiles from this company, and we need a predator hunting load or we need a white tail load. So Yeah. You just you go back to your little uh, hidey hole and, and work <laughs> on it. Now that's 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 another thing that like I don't know anybody who touts this, but a, a big part of developing your loads is obviously testing it in a wide variety of rifles, like from cheap like you know, $300 rifles to, you know, custom rifles and different twists and different barrel lengths and figuring out like, Hey, this works out of everything. But then on top of that is like actually testing it, like, you know, hunting, taking yeah. it out, sending it to people who hunt and like confirming it on animals too. talk about that a little bit. So, you know, we are a custom hand loaded operation currently. So we have the ability to pick and choose whatever we want. Now, nowadays, that list is a lot smaller, but throughout the testing process, uh, say particular rifle is very popular in this barrel length, this twist, so on and so forth. We'll go in, develop a load that I like, use a projectile that I like that I've used in the past. You know, it's proven, if you will. And then I'll develop it, and then we'll test it through multiple platforms. We're not just using a barrel jig with a couple custom barrels or anything like that. We are using what's basically popular at the moment. Uh, and that's what, so that's where all the Facebook groups come in, because we'll go in there and run polls 
to see what everybody is running. And then we'll go out and purchase rifles that mimic that. So then once we kind of lay down that, okay, say it's, you know, this barrel is twist. We like this projectile. We do all the testing. It has to pass a certain accuracy test first before it ever even uh, gets close to going in production. It has to pass all these tests through all these test rifles. And then either I'll go out and hunt with it or we'll send it out. We have several people across Texas, and nowadays it's kind of across the country, that we'll send ammo out to and let them test it, and then we wait for a report back. And then if everything's all good, we like the accuracy results, how it performs on animals, then we'll put it in production. So it, it can be, and again, it goes back to the notes and the data that I already have, or if it's just something brand new. Uh if it gets through all that elaborate testing, then we put it into production. And then, you know, if it's a great load and everybody loves it, it becomes a mainstay. And then we'll load it every time we get a chance. You know, and that's what's good about us is we're not locked into a particular projectile and brass, powder, anything like that. We can we can really tweak things. Like, you know, if you'll see on our website, some of our loads are – boat gun only some are semi-auto rated and some are rated for short barrels and everything else and talk talk about that a bit just to touch on the like why why is it necessary to have a bolt gun rating like why like you know i'm just some guy i'm not familiar with custom ammo or loading or anything so the great thing about hand loaded ammo is we can tweak the velocities and there are certain platforms that really shine even more when you run a bolt gun load through a bolt gun or whereas like most of your factory ammo is it's going to be semi semi rated so it's it's a lot of them is really downloaded i mean to be safe but we decided that we're going to run kind of you know tune things specifically to what's popular again so in those bolt gun only loads yes we have done the testing we run them through semi-autos but it shows a little bit of pressure, whereas on a boat gun, it's just fine. So what we do is we'll <clears throat> give them ratings, uh, boat gun or semi-auto or short barrel and everything else. The only thing you need to pay attention to, if it says boat gun only, I recommend you only run it in a boat gun. If it's semi-auto rated, it's fine. It's just like your regular buy-off-the-shelf ammo. It's rated for everything. We just we put that semi-auto rated stamp on it because it's safe for all of them. Yeah, I think that, I mean, it touches on the way a lot of people hand load is, you know, you're trying to extract the maximum performance out of the cartridge yeah. and, you know, semi-automatics, like I think the best example would be like an AR-10 and 22 Creed. It's not going to, it's not going to take, it, you're, you're really gimping the, the, the yes. benefits of the round by, by using it in a semi-automatic. And I don't think a lot of people realize yeah. that. Um, hundred <laughs> percent. Now at, at that, at the same point, so I'm running hotter ammo through my gun running in a, in a bolt gun uh what are the drawbacks is it you know, do i have to clean more does carbon ring build up quicker or what are it just depends on the caliber so obviously the hotter you run them the you know it is going to affect barrel life if you're melting that sucker down like going out say going out shooting prairie dogs where you're shooting heavy strength like long strings not letting the barrel cool and everything else it will you know, it'll be a little bit harder on the barrel than a semi-auto rated round. But even then, I mean, even if you're doing yeah. that with a semi-auto, you're going to. But 
It's also, <clears throat> it's not so much the round. I mean, there are particular rounds that are barrel burners. Yeah. It's not so much the round being a little bit spicier uh, than how you treat the barrel. <clears throat> Golly. If you're cooking it, it doesn't matter what round you're, like you're using a Sammy spec round or one of our bolt action only yeah. rounds. If you're smoking that barrel, the barrel life is, you know, it's going to, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, Detrimental. Yeah. Uh, as far as like your Creedmoor, 6.5 Creedmoor, not as bad, but everything you get, you know, 6 Creedmoor, 22 Creedmoor, all those, regardless of what, who's offering your running, you need to clean those at least every 100 rounds. And it's just so you don't build up a carb ring. The more the carb ring builds up, the harder it's going to be to clean. And that kind of goes for every overbore cartridge there is. I just when you say them, carbon ring, I don't know what a carbon ring is. What is that? It's basically build up right outside the neck. And by, the best way to tell is if you're shooting anybody's ammo, your own ammo, whatever. And it happens a lot in 22 creeds and six creeds, more so 22 creeds. Say you're getting around a hundred, hundred round mark. And all of a sudden you start seeing pressure. Pressure, pressure. You didn't change nothing. The temperature hasn't changed. You just start seeing pressure. Chances are that's carb ring build up. It's basically building up. When it builds up, it builds up excessive pressure sooner than what it yeah. would have. Yeah, at a certain point, you'll start to fill it in the bolt, right? Yeah, because the essentially acts like the rounds over pressure. So you're going to have a heavy bolt lift and all yeah. that. And then you may end up, technically, you're going to see pressure first, but you may end up seeing like, where it's hard to put it in there because it's built up so bad. I've seen them. I've seen 22 creeds really bad because people hate cleaning guns. I mean, yeah, it's, but if you're going to, if you're going to run like some hot, hot rods, especially 22 grade, just clean every hundred rounds, you know, bore foam it, nylon brush it, and then patch it out every hundred rounds. And you, you just stay away from that problem. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, <clears throat> you always talk about, you know, you obviously pressure builds, velocities are going to be changing. Yes. So on and so forth. But, uh, Cool. So yeah, so the bolt gun, bolt gun only round loads are, you know, you're, it's for the people who want hand loaded ammunition but don't want to have to custom load for their own rifle, don't want to have to invest in a reloading setup. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's what a, you're going to get off. The we're bench. just loading them a little bit hotter. Yeah, just like you would if you was at your house. We're still loading them within yeah, it's, yeah, safe tolerances. We're just pushing a little bit further than we can on a semi-auto. There's there's bolt gun loads and then there's Wade's loads. Wade's loads <laughs> yeah. are pushing that. Door. My personal, <laughs> uh, sometimes they're blowing out primers. But, I mean, a lot of stuff I do is test results and see what happens if something, you know, like, you know, someone sends in a piece of brass and says, your rounds are too hot for my gun. First thing I'm going to do is be like, well, is it a bolt gun only? Are you shooting semi-auto? And then my next, very next question is, is your chamber clean? When was the last time you cleaned your barrel? Especially if it's like a 6 creed or a 20 creed. But, you know, just me personally, I like to run them, especially varmint loads. Well, and that comes back to the, like why why you hand load is, you know, if you're if you're running an ammunition line on machines, you know, you're going to have a, a tolerance on your your powder throws, and so even more so than you know even just Sammy, but like they're gonna they're gonna run that that uh, pressure a lot lower to keep it within a tolerance. Yes. So then you have not only do you have the wide uh, SDs and all that, but you know, you're also getting less less performance just based on that. Yeah. But, you know, the way we do it uh, in the process that Wade has in place up there is, um, 
very consistent powder uh, throws in every single round. And that's, you know, benefit of hand loading. Yeah. I mean, with now factory ammo has gotten really a lot better, uh, but there's still some tolerance stacking. So what you get certain ammunition companies are worse than others, but you get tolerance stacking. And when you start stacking up a bunch of different like high tolerances, you get, yeah, it may shoot decent, but is it going to shoot decent at shot at shot? Whereas ours are, you know, all hand done. The best tolerances we can stack, you know, especially our premier line, which is <clears throat> all Lapua and Burger and all that stuff. Most of the time, sometimes we'll use different projectiles, but those get weight weight sorted and all that to keep the tolerance stacking down to a minimal. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about we have a. Uh... We have a couple different lines of ammo. We have just our standard standard line. Now, every you know, at this point, everything's hand loaded. Yeah. So get that out of the bat. But so you have your standard ammo, um, brass varies. Uh, yeah. Every, everything just kind of varies on them, but they're all, uh, you know, they're all within that same standard that we hold our ammo to. Then you have the premier line, which is what's the premier line aimed at? So the premier line is just aimed at like, well, you have hunting and match premiere yeah so the hunting loads could be a white tail load or a varmint load just depends on what we can get our hands on but it's it's going to be lapua brass match primers the best powder for that particular load nine times out of ten burger bullets but there are a few that i would i i like a different projectile so we'll load that and again we'll white sort it to keep that tolerance as you know as low as possible but those are as far as I'm concerned, and we've tested all the components, and especially nowadays that, you know, some of the components are not as good as they used to be because they're running their machines a lot faster, and I guess their quality control has gone way down. Yeah, there, there, are certain, there are certain brands, I guess, uh, you know, we have our own internal quality control steps uh, at, each, at each, you know, step of the process, but, you know, certain companies, you know, you might see, like, one rejected 1,000, now you're seeing four or five. Some a bunch, yeah. Some of them. Some of them. Not gonna name any names. <laughs> yeah, and so that's an, you know another bit for what we're doing is you know we're everything's visually inspected, everything, everything's te- like everything's tested. There's a bunch of quality control in place to ensure that consistency. Now, uh, premium components, weight sorting. What else is uh, done on the Premier line to make it Premier versus the standard line? Basically, it's held. Well, number one, during load development, it's held to a higher standard on which accuracy, is, which is. Basically, one whole groups. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to throw out a measurement because there's different size projectiles. Where, like, say, our standard ammo, something like our 223 52 grain AR load, you know, which you can shoot it out of a bow gun. It's totally fine, but it's it's really driven around ARs, and I'm sure we'll get into all that here in a minute. Yeah. But you know, its accuracy is kind of based off platforms you'll be mostly shooting it out of. So we're looking for like clover type groups out of that, whereas before we load something in a premier line, we want it stacking like one whole groups or better out of every test rifle. So the actually standards are a lot more stringent. And then the, the, the sorting, you know, basically we're really watching the projectiles and which you don't have to. So with burger projectiles, they're typically the best. You know, and we, we see this through all of our testing of components. Like, we're looking at quality of brass, primers, projectiles, you know, all that stuff all the time. 
burger, you don't see hardly any variances. I mean, they're all going to have variances. Everybody likes to say that their stuff's perfect, but it's not. All of them have variances, but the Premier line is just those variances are tolerance stacking. It's just, it's down to a minimal. It's basically the best we ammo we could load for your rifle, except unless we had your rifle here and we was t- custom tethering rounds to your rifle. Yeah. So it's basically our best components, best procedures, which all the procedures are the same, but... That's just good. It's just like there's a couple more, of added steps in there. Yeah. To a couple things that to ensure consistency. We're not going to yeah, divulge. Se- secret sauce. Secret sauce, indeed. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's my favorite ammo to shoot, uh, the Premier line. If It'd be great if we can get all the calibers, but you're yeah. kind of at the mercy of things nowadays. So, yeah, and then, uh, yes, yeah, so we have that line, um, have our standard ammunition line, and then you just recently added uh, the canned ham, which is our... AR specific, you know, tailored at hog hunting, but you know, yeah. you can use it for a lot. Yeah. More I mean, that. you can use it for whatever you want to essentially, but it's, it was kind of, you know, it's more of like a fun packaging deal, but those, those rounds are specifically custom tailored for what they say they are. So there's the one ninety sub X, which is a projectile horny recently come out with that's, you know, works at the slower velocities of subsonic. Yeah. Maintaining like good expansion, yeah, while being subsonic. You know, a lot of people ask why we don't do more of the solids and everything else like that. A lot of it is cost, and a lot of it also is is making those things shoot as good as traditional bullets. Now, Horny just come out with the CX line, and I'll be <clears throat> interested to try them out. But with a lot of solids, they don't always pass all the accuracy tests. Why? Well, I mean, even even the sub X though. I mean. I remember the 300 blackout. You, I think you tested that more than anything I've seen. You 300 tested a long blackout time. <laughs> is a pain in my rear to get to get to your accuracy. Yes, standards. and I think that's the big jump because most yes. people are like subsonic. You know, one one and a half MOA. That's fine. Yeah, we want it. You know, it's a thorn in my side because the ARs. You can't. You know, nowadays they're a lot better than they used to be, but you can't expect some of the actually you get out of a bolt gun and then 300 blackout most people's acceptable accuracy is pretty terrible by my standards and just getting that thing where i want it to be accuracy wise took quite a bit of time but it shoots phenomenal it i was gonna say I, well i think that comes back to a lot of your you know, it's best like when we, when we talk about your AR loads is you come from a background where you hate shooting ARs. Yes. Particularly once you started <laughs> shooting suppressed. Yes. Then you really hated shooting ARs. Yes. And, and, and it was only recently, you know, about two years back, you really started going back through that and shooting ARs. And, and then that kind of led some of your decisions on how you load your, your AR munitions. So on the can ham stuff, like, you know, I, a lot of them say optimized for short barrel use, except for, I believe, the 308, which is 16-inch barrel. 16-inch. Which is, I mean, that's pretty short for 308. <laughs> well, again, going back to TPH, we ran, I ran a poll to see what most people should, hog hunting with AR-10 platforms in 16-inch barrel was overwhelmingly, like, hugely more popular than anything else. We will go back at some point and do, because there are, there is a certain subset of people that runs the 14.5 through weights. Yeah. We will go back and optimize one for that at a later date. We're just kind of waiting on this particular powder I want. So we really optimize that one for the 16-inch barrel. So when we say that, that, though, optimize, what it, 
obviously you have like grain weight and twist rates and all that, but when you say optimized, what does that mean? Particularly like optimized for short barrel. Basically the starts with a projectile. I want, I'm looking at the barrel length. I'm looking at the game we're really going after. And I'm, I'm going to start looking at projectiles to really dial in what's going to expand good out of that barrel at certain yardages. So once I've kind of decided what projectile we're going to run, in this particular case, 308, it's a 155 ELDM. And that bullet is going to perform very well out of 16-inch. We've actually tested on game, liked its results. Still going to give you relatively flat trajectories out to the range you're typically going to be shooting hogs at. But next, we're looking at powder. So what we're trying to do is we're really focusing on being more custom ammo, hand-loaded, all that stuff. We're really focusing on really optimizing loads for particular jobs, for particular platforms. Now, that doesn't mean you can't shoot in a bolt gun. 100% can shoot in a bolt gun. But when it's optimized for certain platforms, we went through there and painstakingly uh, tested different kinds of powders to get the optimal velocity with reduced blowback and trying to cut down on how dirty it is. Because when the minute you put a suppressor on an AR, you get more blowback, it's dirty, all that stuff. So we didn't want to just load more run-of-the-mill ammo. I mean, it, it's easy to just load ammo that gets maximum velocity out of any barrel. You know, you just shove certain powders in there and get your accuracy where you want it to be. But when you start shooting ARs with this ammo that's really just kind of loaded for whatever, it's super dirty. There's lots of blowback when you run suppressors. So we wanted to we wanted to set ourselves aside from everybody else, like – any, anybody can load ammo. We wanted to really fine-tune this ammo because going back to what he said about me, you know, circling back through ARs is it's not so – there's all kinds of stuff people do nowadays that's ridiculous, waste of time. Like they're trying to – when they go suppress, they start trying to tune stuff. And this, and we're mostly talking about DI, direct impingement. Or yeah. Whatever. Because, you know, pistons are Adjustable story. everything. Yeah. You, you know, in <laughs> – I kind of, I always, I always take it back to like, if you optimize for suboptimal things, like it, it doesn't make sense to me from kind of like that, like lizard brain perspective. Like you would never buy, go buy, you know, people go buy $3,000 rifles and they start, they run, they run really bad ammo through it. And I get it. Like you're going to a range, you're, you're shooting yeah. the targets. It doesn't really matter. But right. you know, as a whole, why would you tune your gun around like the, the worst ammo? And I don't think people realize how even the best, like, you know, the best stuff you're getting, like, you know, bulk stuff is, like, so gassy and awful. And once you actually shoot better ammo, you start to realize it. But, you know, you wouldn't go buy a Porsche. and or, I'm sorry, Porsche. I'm not fancy <laughs> enough to pronounce it correctly. But uh, you wouldn't go buy one of those and go throw, like, you know, 87, you know, 15% ethanol yeah. gasoline in it. You would you put high-end gas because yeah, it's a high-end thing. Feed it right. And, and I think bolt gun people understand that more intrinsically because they understand the the variations and how that translate long range. And, yeah. you know, those guys typically, you know, they're running custom rifles, so on and so forth. So it's like, Oh, you, you understand a certain point. Okay. The ammunition <laughs> makes sense. But, uh, in the AR world that, you know, historically we're used to like just cheap surplus bulk ammo. And it's like, well, I'm not going to spend a bunch of money on ammo. I'll get cheap surplus, but now cheap surplus is dried up. You're even the, even the cheap stuff you're paying quite a bit of money for. Yeah. And, uh, to then go out there and just get a bunch of gas in your face or again, tune for that. And then, you know, what are the effects when you switch to different ammos? If you're trying to run better ammo, you know, you're optimized for this other <clears> thing. <throat> so like, you know, I like to start with the source 
of of the problem, which is the round, yes. the, you know, yes. itself. Well, most of your surplus stuff is surplus stuff. It's meant to run, you know. Yeah, if you, if you think run. regular just, SDs are bad, just go, yeah. go chrono some it's Hornady just, Frontier. It's just meant to run. Like, it's yeah. going to be overgassed to make sure the system stays Well, that, well that's what's interesting is there, there's that, like, there's a, a huge argument, or not argument, but tension with that, like, on the, more like the tactical side, because you have all these guys who are, you know, they're starting to tune their guns, and they're just like, I can't understand why this company has a gas port this big. And it's like, because they're prioritizing you know, reliability and amount of gas over other things. Like yes. you're wanting to optimize your gun when they design that. It all comes back to like, when you design things, you understand like, this is the requirement I'm trying to meet. And we notice that on ammo. Now looking at it from that perspective is like, they want this gun to run in any condition. They have an oversized gas port. It's going to be more gas in your face, but for what they're building the rifle for they're that's acceptable. Yep. And so it's kind of the same thing. When we look at our loads, it's like we're designing it for this specific reason and uh, it's like, well, it wouldn't work for that. It's like, no, because we're designing it for this specific reason. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I went when I circled back around, started shooting ARs again, when we went suppressed, I hated them. Because I was, I wasn't paying no attention to the I think when you say hate, it's like every time you would shoot it, you would look over and go, ugh. Exactly. <laughs> I wasn't, you know, we had our souped up varmint hunting rounds, and I wasn't even like, I, I never really thought that it would be even a market would plan until ARs have just continually grown every year, especially with the advance well, in thermals. Well, yeah, grown grown in the hunting space. Yes, 100%. So I'm like, well, no one really makes ammo that's good for this AR, and I've messed with all the adjustable everything, and, and it finally just got down. I'm like, well, I'll just make an ammo that runs really good without touching none of this crap. Yeah. So, I mean, I've stopped. I don't mess with adjustable gas box anymore. I don't touch buffers anymore i just run the right ammo and that's kind of what this ammo is about and it is you know we're developing all of our ammo on suppressed rifles uh, because we're civilized number one yeah but this ammo is optimized for suppressed rifles you know and no one else but i'll say that i noticed the other day i seen a box of hornady that said suppressed short barrel or something i'm like hmm Weird. I'm sure. I'm sure everybody will start playing in that space. Yeah. Um, well, it's, hopefully, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'd love it's for becoming so popular. Why not? Imagine target ammo that was just designed around suppression. Like it would, it makes so much more sense. Although, I I'm sure what you'll see with a lot of these companies coming out with that, unless it's the performance hunting or or, or like performance ammunition, is they're just going to like load less powder, right? Probably, as opposed to you know really fine tuning it. Yeah. yeah, what 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 Wade does is it's just a lot of work fine tuning and testing and you know something we we're, we're talking about um I just got new cameras back out here. Uh, we're actually going to shoot some slow motion video showing everything we're talking about. So like give you a visual of like it's very noticeable gas wise. Like it's yeah. it's incredibly noticeable. Um and that's without like he said without touching things, without siliconing the charging handle without doing any of the, yeah. the typical stuff. It's like yeah. Fix the problem right there. Using different ammo, and you, what you're doing is you're you're finding the cleanest burning powder that's really optimized for the barrel length, and that's yeah. a big part of the testing is going through all those powders and finding out what can I get optimal performance out of. But I'm burning up all that powder 
without blowing it out in the suppressor and send it back in your face and all that stuff. It's just, it's lots of testing. Well, you know, it's a balancing act. So yeah, like, I mean, I have a given barrel length, you know, I can burn this long and yeah. so and on it, and so you forth. Know, it's not just as easy as, oh, I'm going to get this fast burning powder. No, you're really trying to, you're really fine tuning the powder burn rate, essentially. Yeah. Is, uh, because you still want it to main, malf, uh, malfunction. You're still wanting it to function properly, yeah. as in after the last round, it, you know, holds back. Cause that's what you'll see if you just, if you're a hand loader and you're just trying to get a really fast burning powder, like, oh, I got this figured out. Well, if it's too fast burning, uh, it won't lock back on you or it won't, it won't cycle properly. Yeah. So you gotta, you just gotta find that perfect spot. Then you gotta look at the velocities. Like, am I, am I still hitting good velocities? Cause there's plenty of loads that, that just get thrown into, thrown out in the trash because they're like 200 feet per second slower than they should be. Yeah. Well, and then you have velocities functioning mm-hmm. properly and everything else. It's just not fast enough. So it's really, and then once you get there, then it has to be accurate. Yep. It's really just <laughs> a, uh, it's a pain in the butt, but it's worth it. Because once you yeah. get through, your your end goal is something that you know you can stamp your seal approval on. Like it's it's doing all these things great. Awesome. Yeah, well and then you're expanding it from there, you know, obviously right now we have what we have three oh eight, two twenty three, three hundred blackout load. Mm-hmm. Um, on the can ham, which I mean, is another thing is like most people are going out uh shooting pigs. Uh usually They'll aim for the first one, then aim like a vital spot on the first shot. And then every consecutive shot over that is just putting one in the vital zone as they're yeah. running off. So how many rounds came into play? And most people I talk to, the guys that I know that go out and shoot tons of pigs, they're generally carrying two magazines with them. So that's why we kind of tailored it around that. It's two yep. mags worth of ammo. Yeah, it's still hand-loaded, though. That's, yeah, it's I, all hand-loaded. Same process. Yeah. You know, uh, but it's really tailored to the yeah, job targeted at that, the job at hand that uses it's for, and you know, and there's nothing wrong with going out and buying cheap ammo and doing that, but it's for the guys who really want the good quality stuff. Like the biggest thing I like about it is, is we really focus on that powder bird rate and what it ends up giving you is a cleaner rifle. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you just shove some cheap factory stuff in there, which is fine for pigs, a lot of people just don't put much thought into it. Your rifle, especially running suppressed, and again, these are really driven towards suppressed rifles, is the gun gets dirtier way sooner than it does with our ammo. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a big difference between, like, shooting an AR and, like, shooting one shot or, like, coming up on a bunch of pigs, you're shooting a lot very quickly, and that's whenever, that's when the gas blowback in your face actually becomes a problem because you just like choke yourself out basically yes. and, I'm sure, and i'm sure it's not healthy bad for your health i'm quite, <laughs> quite sure of it um so i mean that was i mean that kind of gets into the whole you know timeline of that's five years spent there is figuring all that out and so you know back in 2021 you know we'd gotten our we gotten our license and it was like we were going to go live on the website Kind of kicked my feet on it a little bit. <laughs> Finally got up and running. Uh, it was it was July fourth. We yep. we opened the the floodgates last year, and I mean since then it's been crazy. I mean season was crazy. It's kind of this summer's been everybody's out of town, which we're starting to pick back up already. Um, yeah. Luckily we're getting last year. Last year was all you were like loading, 
and then just bringing it all in. And that was kind of crazy because we would yeah. just sell out of everything instantly. Yeah. And uh, that was back whenever ammo was still, everybody was psychopath about it. But, you know, now it's, we're really looking forward to this season because we have a huge backlog built up. Yes. And we're just, we're trying to put back as much possible. Right could, now, we're really focusing on all the, all the stuff that we we didn't even have time for last year, which is a lot of the deer hunting and big game hunting loads. Last year it was just full bore varmint hunting ammo. Right now we're really putting back a vast amount of deer hunting and larger game hunting ammo to where we can, you know, service everybody. Because everybody yeah. wanted it last year, but there was such a big need for varmint hunting ammo. Now, as it pertains to varmint hunting ammo. <laughs> This year is going to be kind of up there because we still haven't gotten a lot of our shipments of brass. And we do have... We were told and affirmed that we were getting all this right before season. Yes. To where we could get... We're, like, we're essentially waiting on all that, get everything rolled into production, and then like have it ready like just in time. But... The current state of everything is still up in air. I mean, 100%. Yeah. Everybody keeps going up. All the manufacturers keep going up on their prices because... Infl- now it's inflation. It was, you know, demand. Yeah. Now it's inflation. Everybody's going up again. So it just sucks. But, you know, we're just going to roll with the punches. Uh, but this this season, we'll, we'll most definitely roll into this hunting season with way more options, essentially, for, you know, whitetail and larger game and, you know, our match MO. Uh, that's one thing. We haven't really done enough coverage on just because we're kind of just kind of breaking, you know, breaking off into that, which we have sold a fair amount to some match shooters. That's something that we really want to focus on next season is really getting the word out. And I th- maybe by next season, people will be shooting more matches. Yeah, because that's the other thing. Matches haven't been as popular this year. But, you know, that's one thing we really want to focus on in the future is – for the off season is match ammo. We load some really good match ammo. The people that are shooting it love it. Yeah, P- I mean PRS matches, any of that NRL, any of that stuff. I mean, we we also have hunters who shoot it. You know, that's the big debate. I was going to say that's that's what we should cover next. Is uh, wait, this is deer hunting ammo. Why is it loaded with a, a match bullet, <laughs> Wade? What is what is that about? It just depends uh, on what projectile it is, what velocity it's going. There's a reason why I use match bullets on particular loads, especially like the 6.5 PRC 147 grain ELDM. Through eons of actual infield testing, we love the 147 ELDM for gain because what it gives you is at a little bit longer ranges, it still expands reliably as opposed to I've seen it firsthand like the ELDX, which a lot of people like the ELDX, and that's fine. Most people that are shooting up close and looking for a certain performance uh, like the LDX, but we like the LDM because at longer ranges, it still expands. Whereas like the LDX, we've seen it to where it wouldn't expand. And I'm not saying the LDX isn't a good bullet. It's just certain things we like for certain jobs. That's why we'll pick and choose what projectiles we use. And we'll, you know, if you have any questions about how it's going to perform, just reach out and ask us because... If we load it, we've shot game with it, and we know what it's going to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
it seems like it's a it's a convergence of philosophies, and I'm not going to use the word boomer, but uh, <laughs> it's a very boomer thing. Like I want my traditional hunting bullet. Yes. And again, it comes down to what what performance you're looking for. Uh, a lot of people, again, boomers, they want a projectile that makes entry and goes out the backside. The only downside of this, they're like, yes, great. It leaves a blood trail when it goes out the backside. A lot of times, especially at longer ranges, which is what we're, you know, we're really loading towards is a bullet that's going to perform from short range to long range. But a lot of times, those projectiles that just go, that are meant to go through, they're really meant for larger gain, not for a white tail size animal. Because when it pinholes through, if you don't shoot in a good spot, that's a lot of wasted energy traveling right through the animal. Whereas with a match bullet or whatever projectile we've chosen to load in that, it's going to dump all of its energy inside the animal. Well, I think it comes back to like, you know, back in the day, they had technological limitations and they had a certain understanding of material science and projectiles and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so at the time it was probably what it was, um, you know, Oh, you use this because the other stuff's not going to work, but we've come to a, like even just in the last 10 years, let alone the last 70, 80, hundred years. It's like, like you prioritize accuracy above all things. Cause it's like, well, you need to hit it. You need to hit it where you want to hit it primarily and then when it hits it you want it to dump all the energy um we've gotten we've gotten a lot of feedback yeah and what's what, one of my what's the most common things? one of my favorites before we get into this one of my favorites was i shot i think it was a deer i think yeah i think it was a deer i shot a deer with your ammo and it killed it right there i don't like the performance of the bullet yeah like it, it dropped on the spot yes it was like because it didn't pass up the other side and leave a bunch of blood. I'm like, but it's right there where you shot it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a pretty good one. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you get you get the same thing except positive all the time, which is like, yeah, oh, it dropped it. Like I've never seen that happen <gasps> yes. before. It dropped it right there on the spot. Yeah, I mean, uh, just last week or week before, a guy shot a his wife shot a awesome axes, and he said been hunting with 308 for years and it's the only time we've ever seen one shot in the shoulder down right there yeah which that's what we like to see is uh i don't we, like trailing game yeah it's, i'd rather just walk up to it and it, you know again you, you don't work an office job so you don't have that <laughs> that need to like feel like a outdoorsman <laughs> sportsman out there tr- you know putting your ear to the ground tracing the game but i mean we do load some that are going to perform you know like a traditional well you can get traditional hunting ammo that's not yes. what we're not here to make what other people are making exactly if it's one of if it's our again it depends on what load it is we're gonna like elk loads and stuff like that it's gonna be a little bit more of a traditional style projectile as far as making good penetration but like a lot of our there, there's none of our loads that you can't go hunting with even our match ammo yeah you know a lot of people get hung up on that match projectile when there's not a whole lot of difference other than like ex- no but it says but it says match on it <laughs> we like match accuracy is what yeah but a lot of those match projectiles perform really well on game i mean we've and we, yeah it's not from a it's not from as we're not just saying this no it's there's lots of animals that get dispatched every year the test loads before we put them in production 
Uh. Yeah, I think that I think that covers that. I mean, what are I mean? Are there anything else that you know questions we get often in terms of that, or just in terms of anything? I mean, I mean, really, we covered most of it with like a lot of you know. Some people were like, you know, the whole semi-auto. Yeah, like I said, anything that and we're, we're working on that rated, soon to, to or, really like get that information yeah. better conveyed on the website. And we oh, one thing I wanted to touch on. We used to not put velocities on boxes because I don't like doing that. The reason being is we're at a certain elevation. Our, all of our test rifles are far different. Like, even though you may have the exact same rifle as my test rifle, the barrel life is different. So I was going to say, like, if you get a brand velocity. new rifle, it's not going to. So we used to just be like, you need to chronograph your stuff because we didn't want to go there. But I have recently started because so many people are asking for them. Yeah. Because what you can do, if you don't have access to a chronograph, you can take our velocity we printed on the box, and it'll have what barrel length. And then some of them I'll, have, I'll put multiple barrel lengths. It just depends on what the most popular platforms are. And you can kind of reverse engineer from there. So say if you're trying to build a ballistics profile, look on a box, whatever that velocity is, plug that into your data, and then take it to the range, say 600, 600 700 yards, and then whatever your impact is, you adjust the velocity off of that. Kind of kind of look at it as a baseline, but don't look at it like this is exactly what it's going to be shooting my rifle because that's just not true. And I don't understand why, like where that disconnect was, why it's not explained better. You should always chronograph your own rifle. And if you have it put anywhere from 100 to 150 rounds down the barrel, don't even worry about chronographing it. Your barrel's still breaking in. It's still, it's going to be speeding up slightly all the way till it's good and broken in. That's when I recommend people to chronograph their rifles and for yeah, ballistics so the, data. So the information's not there to, to it's there to get you in the ballpark yes. and you you true it up from there, or you test it from there yes. and make 100% sure. 100% true it up because it's, again, a difference in elevation can be a difference in velocity. You know, it's just there as a baseline essentially because we got so many people asking us for it. Yeah. You know, and it's going to be a good starting point starting point because on velocity so before i print a velocity on a box is that's not just you know one five round group fired that's multiple five round groups fired that's multiple five round groups tested from ammo from the freezer from ammo outside baking in the sun and it's just kind of getting an overall average Mm -hmm. so that's kind of how we come across those velocities and again it'll it'll have the what barrel length it was that it was recorded off of It'll have the G7BC, and some of the varmint loads will put G1BCs, but most of, your, most of your long-range stuff is going to be G7, and it's going to have a overall projectile length, and that's the actual projectile itself. We measured it with micrometer and took an average between like 20 or 30 of them and gave you that number because a lot of your your better ballistics programs ask for that number. So we just put it right there on the box. So you don't have to go looking for it. Yeah. Um, so been pretty much we, we covered how you got started, covered kind of what we do now. Moving forward, what are the what are the plans? Stay alive in the current climate. That's true, right? <laughs> As soon, I mean, this. As soon as components become normal again, we're going to really standardize. Like, yeah, we're not so. My my initial thoughts on how this was going to go again was that that whole 
being able to buy things one week out and like we never had to worry about having all the stuff but as soon as stuff gets normalized again you can get stuff again we are going to go on a huge buying spree oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're basically again. hoarders now yes 100 percent. and then you'll see you should never once it gets to that point you should never see variation lot to lot. very yeah because so what we do now is we have our our stuff that we like that's going to be a mainstay like the premier loads and certain varmint loads that as soon as we get components we load them but we also have the ability to pick and pull from where we can so sometimes we'll release like a thousand rounds of this <laughs> and it was just stuff was able to pull together and, it, and it's a good load and we know people like it we load it and then that's that was the last of those components you'll see that kind of stuff go away and you'll see more of a standardization of all of our offerings which is, you know, everything from the predator hunting all the way up to the whitetail hunting and the match ammo and everything else. But in the meantime, we just kind of, you know, we'll load our standard loads when we can, and then we'll continue to do that pick and pull stuff to service our customers. Because like, like last year with $22 and uh, $22.50, we're always just looking for more brass and more projectiles yeah. to, to try and get those offerings out there. But once we're kind of through all this crap, we're going to really standardize and have plenty of that stuff always on hand. Yeah, now, I mean, any plans past ammunition? Plenty of them. <laughs> any ones you want to discuss? <laughs> so, I mean, most people know we do the TPH chairs. We sell them on the websites. There is the economy class, the business class. Yeah, that's been a whole other yes. project parallel to all this. That I mean, in the last year, you've really optimized. Yeah, I mean, it was, again, we could, we could do a whole other podcast on that. But, you know, quickly, we used to sell them in-store, but we had so much Couldn't people. figure out how to ship them properly? No. It was, yeah. Our original chairs were a little bit heavier and everything else, and we really, we really just kept working at optimizing them as far as weight and everything else and get them to where we could ship them in a box to your door. Because, yeah, we sold a lot in-store, but we had a way more people asking for you know shipping them out and everything we finally got that figured out on two models now the third model which is the first class well we're in i'm in the middle of a redesign on it it's not going to be much different but it's going to be slightly different but it'll never be available on the website it's just too big and heavy to ship it'll be a full custom option and we're working on all that it'll come line x it'll come ready to basically bolt into your rack and all that stuff and it'll be in-store pickup only which we'll we'll probably work on Ideally, we'll work on having different places around Texas that carry that chair. Yeah. And maybe even the other models. You know, it just kind of depends on how things keep progressing. I mean, we sell pl- we sell enough now that where we can't hardly keep them in keep stock start, ourselves, yeah. ourselves. But I would urge everyone, if you're planning on building a rack. Don't wait until the last minute. Don't wait. Audio. Technical difficulties. God, somebody needs a. Fire that producer. Don't wait until varmint season because we're super busy with ammo and chairs that time of year. Whereas this time of year, there's plenty of them always in stock. And like, build yeah. your. Stop bumping it. I'm not. No, you bumped it plenty. Of I think I broke it. <laughs> Those things are I'm just going to have to <laughs> hold it here. Uh, don't wait until the last minute. And like I said, all of our components, we're working on more, adding more stuff. Like right now we're going through R&D on the remote holder, which was far more popular than I thought it was going to be. Uh, a lot of people wanting that. 
But it, right now it's going through R&D. Hopefully we'll be launching it before season. Yeah. A few little critiques, changes I like. Because I, I don't like releasing nothing until it's perfect. And sometimes it takes probably way too long. But, you know, like the people have good products. And there's more stuff coming from the TPH line. Yeah. Uh, maybe a rack system. Rack system. Maybe a basket system. There's all kinds of stuff. We're working on. We're always working on something. Sweet. Yeah, other than that, I mean, I really think, uh, for, as as far as munitions is concerned, the next big thing for us is you know getting a proper YouTube going for that. Not yeah. a not a podcast, but a you know gear reviews, information, instructional. You know, working on a how to shoot long range course because all the information out there is pretty much garbage. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, so the people that follow the tph youtube channel not the podcast with youtube and the texas long range hunting there's a reason why nothing's been getting posted to them because we're kind of in the middle of changing everything around so moving forward the uh tph youtube and the texas long range hunting youtube those are going to be more devoted to just actual hunting footage like little trips there won't be as many videos but it'll just be like some high quality hunting content stuff like that whereas Ally Munitions YouTube is going to kind of be where we start doing lots of informational stuff. It'd be a lot easier, um, Justin, if you're listening to this. Um, <laughs> just go ahead and take the offer. Just go ahead and move out here. That'd be great. Greatly appreciated. But, I mean, there's there's gobs of stuff we can... Yeah, I mean, I, well, I think that kind of covers... I mean, you know, we, we load custom ammo. Anything that involves that, we're going to be getting into more so as time goes on. We're going to keep growing. Um, probably start offering things like firearms on the website at some point. And there yeah. might be some custom rifles coming here. Yeah, pr- pretty soon. We're waiting on parts. Um, but past that, you know, growing, you know, big emphasis for next year is just be growing our awareness, growing uh, the brand, growing video content and yeah. quality content. Yeah, yeah, really putting putting the effort into it. And, you know, that's kind of been a downstream of the, this doing this podcast is okay cool we have a baseline let's keep working up from there and you know how much we have a lot of information i mean just in, i mean just aside from ammo development like the amount of time you spent shooting in the last six years it's i think we're all kind of at this point where we like to see what everybody else is doing we're just like that's so wrong right like you're you're way off base yeah. and uh luckily people are starting to see that i think and so you know getting information out to people and yeah just having fun Doing podcasts. When is the Fitz and the Judge podcast coming? I don't know. We'll see if anybody likes this. <laughs> I, this the, the, it won't be like this. I'll be much more. Uh, was was on one on one. I'll be. I'm normally on one. You guys should see before we actually go live on these things. Yes, it's a bit absurd. <laughs> anyway, I think that uh, man, that goes so fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably. It's a good place to wrap up. You know, again, one year anniversary. We kind of just wanted to cover the little bit of the history. Yeah. I mean, we're still leaving out a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of juicy, salacious details that we can't talk about. (laughs) We will one day. One day we'll have to do a how we met. I don't have to be Fitzy and the judge, though. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, uh, good morning, good evening, and good night. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have anything you want to say? No. Okay. I'm done. Okay, good. (laughs)